the Team Builder Playbook, bite-sized, honest, and practical tips and strategies for building and scaling your team as a startup entrepreneur. Hey, this is Lisa Gustavo with the Team Builder Playbook podcast, and it is almost the end of the year and the end of the decade. In fact, when this episode releases, there will only be one day left in the year and in the decade. And what I want to talk to you guys about is that type of thinking and planning that goes beyond what we normally do in our lives, which is think in terms of days and weeks. I really want you to start thinking long-term. I want you to start thinking in terms of years and decades. And what an appropriate time to start doing that um, since we are on the threshold of a new whole new decade and a whole new year. So last week I talked about resentment and judgment affecting you as a leader and entrepreneur more than you think. And I talked about the hidden costs of that judgment. Our ego thinks that when we judge, we are right. But what we're doing is that we are weighing ourselves down with dead weight, literally dead weight, and making the whole team and the whole business um, less successful and slower. So today, I really want to spend some time introducing you to the Summit Success Coaching Methodology which I developed and which I, it comes from my mountaineering experience and I want to introduce you to it. My goal is to instill in you an endurance mindset, an endurance mindset that has you be successful long-term rather than burnt out and exhausted as a kind of back-to-back compulsive sprinter. So the reason I developed this methodology is because I found an endurance mindset to be critical to me growing a business and a team. And I was committed to coach all of you guys, entrepreneurs and all my coaching clients to be able to develop this endurance mindset. So time for our segment of story time. And this story goes back to earlier this year, 2019, when I embarked on an expedition to climb Denali, the highest mountain in North America. And because of its prominence, so it's quite a long way from where you start to where the summit is compared to other mountains, and because of its position almost in the Arctic Circle in Alaska, it is considered to be one of the most difficult expeditions. And in the seven summit circuit, which is the circuit of all of the highest summits on all of the continents, it is known to be the toughest expedition tougher even than Everest. Part of the reason why is because of the conditions that I mentioned. It gets tends to be extremely cold in the summer, which is the warmest part, which is uh, when people climb it um, in May and June. The temperatures can reach to minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and the winds can get up to 100 miles per hour. Only about 45 to 50% of climbers who you know, show up, and these are climbers who prepare, in my case, for eight months seriously to climb that mountain. Only less than half of them reach the summit. And uh, the other reason why a lot of people fail 
is because this expedition, unlike Everest and other ones in emerging countries like Nepal or Latin America, is self-sufficient. There are no porters, no Sherpas on this one. So you got to train yourself, no matter your gender or your stature, you got to train yourself to be able to carry up to 120 pounds of gear up a mountain. And you break that down between, I would say, about 70 uh, pounds or so on your back and the rest of it on a sled that you pull uphill up until, I would say, about the second camp. And then for the last two camps, you take less gear, you stash a lot of it along the way, and then you carry it only on your back because it gets steeper, the terrain gets to be more dangerous, and there's no there's no opportunity to pull sleds. So it's a serious expedition for sure, and um, it is dangerous. People die on it. But what makes it what makes it interesting, and the reason I'm bringing it up in this story time segment is because as I was getting ready for it, and it took, as I mentioned, a lot of months of preparation of me slowly building out this endurance to be able to go for weeks on end, really exerting myself and be able to build snow camps, dig ditches, uh, stashes, go back and forth between camps, climb, carry a lot of gear, sleep at altitude, uh, be in freezing weather. It all took a long time to prepare for. And even then, when we showed up in the uh, town of Tolkitna, at the beginning of our expedition, we had a sit down, a pep talk. We had the pep talk with the owner and the head guide of the guiding company. I was climbing what uh, it was Alaska Mountaineering School in Telkidna. If any of you guys are doing seven summits or uh, just want to climb Denali, I highly recommend them. They're one of the guiding companies that has a license to guide people on Denali, which is a national park. And unlike any of the other ones, it actually only specializes in Alaska. So they're based in Delkitna. They operate out of there and they're experts on that mountain versus other climbing companies who have expeditions going on all around the world and who just kind of operate as a fly-in model. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) As you can tell, I'm quite passionate about climbing mountains and very, very much in love with Alaska. I actually want to climb more in Alaska than I want to go and um, uh, have tick marks about the highest mountains in the world. I I really, really want to climb more there. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's the last frontier, truly wild and beautiful and expansive. So when we got to Tilkina, our climbing group, which was six of us, it was six, yeah, it was six of us, plus two guides. We all sat down for a pep talk with Colby Coombs, who is one of the founders of Alaska Mountaineering School. And he has something like, I I don't want to say at least, you know, 30, 40, if not more, summits of Denali. Him and his wife have been leading expeditions on Denali since the late 80s, and they founded their company in the 90s. So they're extremely experienced. They're the ones who all of the filming crews of National Geographic and BBC all go to for support. 
And if you can find an expert <laughs> in this mountain, it would be Colby. And my, also my mountaineering coach who trained me for the mountain, who is a Patagonia ambassador. So there's a few people who know the mountain really, really well. And Colby's one of them. So he sat us down for the pep talk. And here was his message. His message is like, okay, you're now going to fly out onto Glacier and start three weeks on the expedition. And the summit is only going to be less than 5% of that. And the summit is not you know, going to be the end of it. As we all know, mountaineers, most of the accidents happen on the way down because that's when people turn their minds off. They're exhausted. They've spent all their energy and effort on getting to the summit. And there's nothing left in the tank for the way down. So he reminded us of that. And he also said, look, there's going to be so many opportunities for you guys to get off track. And how you spend the first couple of weeks preceding the summit is literally what is going to make or break your expedition. In fact, you're going to have a more successful expedition if you focus on every day, on achieving your goals, on staying hydrated. Well, in the mountains, it's all about picking intermediary milestones that make you feel successful along the way so you know you're on track. So he really had us sit down and think about managing our mind through the whole expedition. Every day, picking a couple of goals that we would have that would make us successful long-term, really focus, focusing on fulfilling those goals, not even worrying about the next day, not thinking about the summit, what happens a lot of times is, is people get snowed in or pinned down by bad weather on one of the first camps. People start talking and there's lots of speculation and there's lots of kind of anxiety building up to the summit day if people are not careful, if they're not managing their minds. And so your mind can spin out of control really easily, especially when you're in a tiny little cramped tent with the wind howling outside and you're just squished as a sardine with a bunch of other smelly people. <laughs> so there are lots of opportunities to get off track and to get um, your mind to start playing tricks on you. And when that happens, you are dead. You are not going anywhere. You are more likely to get sick. You're more likely to get dehydrated. And that also means getting sick on the mountain. Anytime you get sick, you get weak, you're more likely to get high altitude sicknesses like um, your brain swelling or you feeling really nauseous and weak and unable to continue. So your chances of reaching the summit are diminished by quite a lot. So as Colby sat us down to talk about that, all of the factors that go into having a successful summit and the summit day being like the last of them. <laughs> and everything else leading up to summit day being of critical importance, he really encouraged us to pick a success milestones along the way and focus on each installment, on each segment of the expedition to manage our minds. So for me, that was making sure that I ate a bar or some food as soon as I sat down. So we sit down on breaks, these happen once every hour of moving or climbing. And they also happen when you reach camp. And there's no time for dilly-dallying. You need to immediately start digging of the snow camp, setting up the tents, 
helping the guides uh, build the kitchen and melt snow for water. So there's no time. Most of the time, you can just be going because it's cold. Your stomach doesn't feel like eating or digesting. It takes time to chew the food to take a frozen bar or something that you have in your pocket. But it's essential because your body has been exerting itself, so you need to replenish. So I would have a goal of eating a certain amount of food every time I sat down. And I would also have the goal of drinking two liters of water every day. Hydration is a huge part of keeping your body strong for the long term. So it's extremely precise. It's to be extremely precise in how you prepare. The gear is prepared with extreme precision. I talked last week about the importance of evaluating every single piece of gear that you put in your backpack, not carrying too much, carrying just enough because of the weight and the crippling effect of having too much weight, losing water, losing energy. So there has to be this perfect balance, this perfect dance between the amount of provisions, the amount of gear you carry, and how hard it is to carry and how you exert yourself. So the pep talk that we had with um, Colby was very, very impactful to me. It was very useful because it really drove home the point of, okay, when you are actually in the middle of doing something, it may feel like nothing matters except for that outcome, that milestone. And for you in business, it could be a product launch, having getting X number of users or people buying your product on your product launch, hitting seven or eight figures in revenue, going public, becoming acquired. So when we, um, when we think of those milestones, it's very, very tempting to think of them as the end-all, be-all. And I'll relate the story time to another story, this time from my own experience in business. At Zynga, I mentioned this, I was one of the first product people at Zynga, a gaming company that just exploded and grew extremely rapidly. We were growing so quickly and we were iterating so fast. We were on a weekly product development cycle in which we wrote features, proposed new product features or functionalities, coded them, launched them, measured their effect, and then had some lessons learned, what worked, what didn't. This would all happen within the framework of five or six or seven days in the beginning. Then as we got bigger and as we had more bandwidth to plan long-term, it really, like slowing ourselves down in order to plan for the long term, we managed to get ahead and start planning for, you know, it felt like such a relief to be able to plan features like a month in advance <laughs> compared to just having to write them on the fly, measure them and be stuck on that hamster wheel. So when we did that, it felt a lot better. The company stabilized, was able to have more predictable results. We were able to start learning from a playbook that was already quite established in the beginning. But you know what happened is that fast moving DNA that we had in the beginning when the company was small and it was still growing very rapidly worked for us in that stage, but it was not sustainable. It was like a sprint. 
And when we got bigger and we started planning long term, there was a lot of organizational resistance. And I really think it was driven top down from Mark Pincus, the CEO, of that aversion of letting go of the fast and nimble DNA that had made us successful in the first stage of the company building process. What that did was as we kept our weekly cycles going, as we kept planning for like the week ahead and being quote unquote fast, people started burning out because a team felt like we were not running a marathon. We were not running an endurance race. What we were doing is we were being asked to sprint back to back to back. When you sprint back to back to back without any recovery time, <laughs> you end up burning out and you end up getting solution. A lot of things start falling through the cracks and the whole system collapses. That's what happened to Zynga. Zynga perpetuated this short-term thinking that was a survival mechanism early on into the time, even including after the company went public. That really ended up, well, biting the company in the butt and really showed up as results of the company stock not doing that well and the company losing a lot of people along the way. So what you want to do, and it's very interesting as we transition to our segment of Coach's Corner, what you want to do is figure out how you transition, how you transition from that early startup mentality of running fast, of sprinting into longer-term planning and longer-term mind management and longer-term thinking. There's a mountaineering maxim that was taught to me by all my coaches in mountaineering, including Steve House, who's a Patagonia ambassador and one of the preeminent mountaineers in the world. So he taught me the mountaineering maxim, which is your three priorities when you go climb a mountain in that specific order. And listen to this. The first one is come back alive. Honestly, <laughs> that can be applied to business as well. The first principle is do not let your company, your project, your business, whatever you're working on and are passionate about consume you. Life is much bigger than what you're doing right now. And so keep that perspective in mind. The first priority is come back alive. Second priority is come back friends. When you are going climbing, when you're building a business, when you are uh, working on something long-term, you're doing it as a team. You're doing it with a team. You're building a team. And so what you'll remember, what you'll remember 10, 20 years from now is not necessarily what you did and specifics of the projects and the products you worked on, but you will remember how it felt and the stories and experiences that you shared with your team. So... Mountaineering principle number two is comeback friends. And finally, and in that order, only the third priority is reach the summit. Yeah. So reach the summit, which a lot of novice and beginner mountaineers think is the end of the game here. The same with business and entrepreneurs thinking that going public or uh, getting acquired or, you know, being on some lists, whether it's on a Forbes list or on the App Store list or being featured in some sort of magazine or being on Oprah, all of that 
them thinking and thinking and goal, it's actually only the third highest priority. The first two priorities being come back alive and come back friends. Coach's corner time. So coach's corner, this, wow, there's so much I want to jam in here and I really have to put on my coaching hat and not overwhelm you guys. So we talked about the outcomes that you want to have. The product launch, getting a certain number of clients or users, hitting that next revenue milestone, going public, being acquired, whatever that is for you. Think of it as a milestone on your journey, as a link in a chain rather than the destination or the goal or the outcome. And that will help you develop the endurance model and manage your mind through the various phases of building your business and building your team. And that is what gave rise to my summit success model for building teams and building yourself as an amazing business leader and entrepreneur. And in my summit success model, I have three phases. The first phase is Basecamp. Basecamp is the time you spend before you actually set foot on the mountain. It is the prep time. Technically, base camp on the mountain is part of the climb, but I refer to it as that kind of planning stage that you would do in town before you fly out to start your expedition. So the pep talk we had with Colby, our gear inspection and preparation, selecting the food, measuring everything, weighing everything, planning, uh, understanding the conditions, understanding how we would deal with our, and again, this is no joke, like we'd have to carry out our poop, how we would deal with the poop containers and how we would, like the steps of actually building camps and rehearsing that in our mind and as a team before we got on the mountain. So for you as an entrepreneur, it's important to have a base camp type of moment or planning for any big project that you take on. That could be done quarterly. I recommend at least quarterly or the longest every six months or at the worst uh, a year. Second stage is the climb. So that is the part of going through the motions of actually being on the journey up until that next milestone. And the climb is important because that's when the mind can spin out of control. That's when I've seen a lot of people, for example, if you're building a team, the base camp phase is you planning on who you need to hire, what your business is going to need in 12 months or so. Then the climb is actually going out and vetting and looking at enough people, making sure that you're executing all the steps in order to get that star person on your team or to get that next milestone on your journey. And that requires discipline. That requires persistence and holding your criteria, holding steady to your criteria, not compromising, not getting tired, not panicking, not spinning out of control, which are all things that can result from, from you not keeping the climbing perspective and the milestone and the long-term journey in perspective. Finally, the third part of my summit success model is the summit and the descent. Again, a reminder that most of the accidents on the way down. So it is important to plan, to have enough energy to get to your destination and then enough to actually 
get to that next point and start the next journey. For hiring somebody, building a team, that really comes down to spending a lot of time setting the person up for success after you hire them, onboarding them, training them, building that relationship of trust. As we go, uh, oh, I have one more segment that I wanted to pitch in here, put in here, and that is which type of unconscious bias is it? And as we talk about today's topic of kind of sprint versus versus endurance marathon mindset, I believe that the unconscious bias is about confusing the objective with the journey. It's it's the short-term thinking of summit fever, as we call it in mountaineering. So that's the segment of which type of unconscious bias is this. Finally, tip of the week. Tip of the week and how to practically apply this. I would recommend um, spending a lot of time in base camp. So whatever your next milestone is, either in building your team or building your business, taking time, conscious time every quarter or the longest every six months to plan long term. And there are a number of tools you can use. You know, you can use a roadmap, a high-level roadmap. I personally like that tool uh, where you pick three main goals or milestones for the next six months or a year or, or quarter, and then you pick the criteria. So how will I know that I'm successfully tracking towards this goal? You can do that on a spreadsheet after spending some time, and this is really important, these quarterly planning sessions, I recommend that you do for each major milestone. So if you have a team building goal, then you set aside at least a day or at least half a day. And I do that in person with my coaching clients. We do that together where you literally go off on a planning retreat or on a summit where you carve out some time out of your day to consciously sit down and do the planning preparation at base camp. And you can use various tools. As I mentioned, the tools are secondary. They could be a Google spreadsheet. There's another tool that one of my coaches has introduced me to, and it is uh, Impact Filter. I will include a link to Impact Filters online in the show notes. They are, again, um, a framework for thinking about your goal that you want to achieve, your milestone, and thinking through the criteria, and then thinking through how you're going to track it through time. How are you going to pick intermediary milestones that will let you know that you are on on track, that you're not fantasizing and wishing that something is going to happen, but not really taking any steps towards it. So that's the tip of the week. Uh, Long-term planning, take a structured approach every quarter. Take at least half a day to a day. Ideally, you would go someplace where you would refresh your mind and you would do something to get yourself out of the grind and really look at the next quarter, six months, and a year with a fresh new set of eyes. And I highly recommend you do that at the end of the year now, now, in the next couple of days for the big goals and milestones that you have coming up, coming up next year, at least. All right, guys, I hope this has been helpful. I wish you an amazing, amazing start to the new year, the new decade, and I'll see you on the other side. 
Enjoying the show? Click subscribe and I'll see you on the next episode.